Amen. Well, I'm excited to continue on in our deeper series that, that I wrote really specifically for this time and, and uh, for our time of our Daniel fast. And, and this week, the, the focus is desire. He is jealous for me. He is jealous for me. Imagine this week, you walk into 4 and 20, and you see me sitting eating lunch with another woman. It appears that we're enjoying each other's company a little too much. And you come up to the, I already see your faces. You come up to the table and confront me, and you say, who is this woman, and what are you doing with her? And my response is, Oh, we're on a date. Pamela knows that she comes first. (laughs) You walk away angry and disgusted, and you should be. You decide someone needs to tell Pamela, so you call her and you break the news. And when I come home from my date with the other woman, how do you suppose Pamela responds? Imagine she meets me at the door and she says, how was your day? And then she gives me a big kiss and a hug. And she says, I don't mind you seeing other women as long as I'm the most important to you. You know that would never happen, right? Okay, I just, I mean, I want to assure you that would never happen. But why, why also would that never happen? Because she loves me. She expects my relationship with her to be exclusive. She refuses to share my affection with anyone other than God and our children. My Pamela is a lot like Jesus. She is jealous of me. In a healthy way, of course. And incidentally, I do not meet with women alone for lunch, ever. (laughs) This protects them, and it protects me, and it protects the church. So I just have made that choice. But haven't we we all had relationships that seemed like maybe they were one-sided, or maybe the commitment to us seemed to be less than our commitment was to them? Haven't we all been jealous at times of, uh, of our best friends or maybe even our spouses if they choose something or some other activity than being with us? Don't we expect those whom we're committed in relationship with to make us their priority, especially where other relationships are concerned? We expect them to make sacrifices to be with us, don't we? I expect Pamela to make sacrifices to be with me. And you know, whether they're, whether they're family members or spouses, we, we have an expectation that we are more valuable to them than other persons or other interests. I remember one time someone said to me, Pastor Bob, why, why don't you... And I'm going to fill in the blank because it's happened more than once. Why don't you do more hunting? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Guys, I used to build hot rods. I love building cars. But I recognized at a point earlier in our marriage when we were just three kids in. (laughs) 
Okay, it wasn't as early in our marriage as it should have been. Um, but I recognized that I would go out and I would work on my car and my lovely Pamela, she'd open the little garage door and she'd say, honey, are you just about done? And I'd say, yeah, I'll be done. Should be just about 15 more minutes. And then 45 minutes later, she'd come back and again, not angry. Honey, are you just about finished up? Oh yeah, yeah. It took a little longer than I thought. Just give me another 10 minutes. And that went on and on and on. And one day she said to me, you know, you are missing out on your kid's life. And I sold an uncompleted hot rod project and lost money on it doing it because I recognized that they needed to be my priority, just like I need that priority with my relationship with God. You see, there are sacrifices we need to make in order for relationships to be everything they should be, aren't there? And God's word has some things to say about this about expectations regarding our relationship with him. Did you know that God is a jealous God? He's a jealous God. In Luke chapter 14, and as I told you a couple weeks ago, in this particular series, we're using the message version. Um, Luke chapter 14 and verses 15 through 24, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says... That triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. And Jesus followed up, yes. For there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. And when it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests saying, come on in, the food's on the table. They all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first one said, I bought a piece of property and I need to look it over. Send my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out. Send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married and I need to get home to my wife. I'm not going to lie, I would have probably been that guy. The servant went back. And told the master what had happened. He was outraged and he told the servant, quickly get out into the city streets and always collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and the homeless and the wretched, you can lay your hands on and bring them here. And the servant reported back, master, I did what you commanded and there's still room. The master said, then go to the country roads Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite in my dinner party. So let's just break this down a little bit. You know, verse 15, uh, it says, That triggered a response from one of the guests, how fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. Dining with a spiritual leader was considered a great blessing. If you got an invite or an opportunity to be with a spiritual leader in that culture and you turned it down, uh, it would have been considered not only uh, an offense, but it it would have even been considered probably stupid, to be honest with you. It, It was not something that happened often that there was an invite. And 
And that invite was generally not necessarily because it was a deserved invite. And I draw that parallel to this relationship that we have with Jesus. We have been invited. We've been invited into relationship with him. He made a supreme sacrifice for us so that we could have relationship with him and we could have relationship with Father. He opened the door for us to do that. And yet, don't we, don't we turn down, not necessarily that original invitation, those of you who are following him and you've said, Jesus, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, but don't we turn down the invitation to being in his presence? In verses 16 and 17, Jesus followed up and he said, Yes, there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. When it was time for dinner, he set out his servant and he invited the guests saying, Come on in, the food's on the table. God does this every day, you guys. He invites us into his presence every day. One of my favorite verses in Romans, and I know you've heard me say this verse before, and it's the last verse in Romans. I held my, day, my arms open wide. I held my arms open wide all day long for a stubborn and a disobedient people. Guys, he invites us. He's waiting for us. And he's made a way for us to come into his presence and yet somehow, some way, we turn that down. And we decide that something else is more important. The hot rod in the garage, or the fish in the lake, or the job, or the you fill in the blank, whatever it is. He invites us to fellowship with him every day. And then, verses 18 through 20, there's all the excuses, Right? You know, the first one says, uh, I bought a piece of property. I need to go look it over. The next one says, I bought five teams of oxen. I really need to check them out. I'm thinking if I bought five teams of oxen, I would have checked them out first. I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, I can't go because I've got to do my hair tonight. (laughs) You know, Uh, so it was an excuse, obviously. And, and the, I just got married. I need to get home. That's probably a better excuse than the others. But aren't we all guilty of making excuses? And I, I'm going to, I mean, I include myself on occasion why I just can't meet with God. You know, the Holy Spirit is calling to me, beckoning to me, wanting to meet with me. And I decide, I might not say, you know, I don't have time. I don't do that but I choose to do something else instead. I make an excuse and say, I'm too busy. I'll tell you this. When I first became a pastor years ago, there was a mentor pastor who, who uh, told me, and I, I, I took it to heart, you can never pray too much. And he said to me, Start your day every day in personal prayer. When you get to your church, then pray for your church and your people. But do that first every time, every day. 
And don't think you're not going to get your stuff done. He said, I guarantee you, if you follow that, you will not only get your stuff done that has to be done, but you'll see God begin to do great and awesome things in your life and the lives of your people. I want you to know that that's what I do as your pastor. I hope, I hope that what you'll do is, is begin, to, and if you're, maybe you're already doing this, so if, if you're already doing this, you, you can go ahead and pat your back and everybody else will see you do it, it'll be awesome. But I mean, if you're already spending time with God every day, fantastic. It will change your life. But even more importantly than that, it will change the lives of the people you are around. And that's why God wants to spend time with you, not just for you, but for others who are around you. So again, rather than than making excuses, maybe we say, we take a look in our day planner or in our app and we say, this is my Jesus time and we put it in there and then we keep that appointment just like we would any other appointment that's of value to us. We just make time for him instead of making excuses. In verse 21, it says, the servant went back and told the master what happened and he was outraged. He told the servant, quickly get out into the city streets and alleys, collect all who look like they need a square meal, all the misfits, the homeless, the wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded and there's still room. The master said, then go into the country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get as much as a bite at my dinner party. You know, if we want a taste of his banquet, his presence, we have to go out of our way of our busy lives to do it. We have to do it. If we want more of him, we've got to go after him. He's always pursuing us. Don't mistake that or what I'm saying there. He's always pursuing us. but He's just waiting for us to say, Father, I want to hear from you. You know, following Jesus, following Jesus part-time or half-hearted is impossible. He requires us to follow him with our whole heart. That might mean leaving a job we enjoy or that we're successful at. It might mean moving to an unfamiliar place. It might mean choosing new people to have close relationships with. Sometimes the choices are very difficult. Sometimes following Jesus means that you might make less money. Or you might live in a smaller house or you'll drive an older car. But as you begin to trust his plan for your life, is always for your best, most blessed life, it becomes easier to choose him over other people and other things. And some of those people may be close to you, even family members, but they're not good for you, so Jesus asks you to choose himself over them. Guys, this is hard stuff, I know. But I do know also that whenever I have sought his face in prayer about something, I had to make some kind of a decision that affected my life or the life of my family 
or the life of the church. When I heard his voice and I knew that I knew that I knew that it was his voice, and sometimes he would say something to me that I thought was crazy. I was like, there's no way, God, that's not going to work. No thanks. Let's not do it that way. Can you find another way? I mean, I've been bargained with him a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But when I know that I know that I know, and then I do what he's told me to do, it's amazing the way he pours out blessings in my life and the life of my family. And sometimes it means making choices that in our culture don't make sense. We've had that happen over 30 years of our life. I've consistently taken jobs that were lesser jobs than I should have had. I've taken less pay than I should have had. I've done, I've done what God's told me to do, and he's always blessed us as a result of it. And he'll do that for you as well. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 25 through 27, it says, One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. See, in that passage, Jesus is telling us he won't share us. He's jealous for us. He won't share us, not with a career, not with a family, not even with ourself. He wants all of us, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our spirit. And when he invites us into relationship with him, he has an expectation that we'll be exclusive with him. Just like a marriage. You know, marriage is God's model for us here to see what relationship should look like with him. And the truth is, any marriage that works, any marriage that's growing, any marriage that's healthy is that way because both partners sacrifice in some way. That's a part of love. That's what you do. Jesus made an awful large sacrifice for our relationship to be right. You know, God's word is, is pretty clear. We're to make him our first priority, not just when it's convenient, not just when it fits into our busy schedule. He makes it clear that if we follow him, he is to be our one and only. He wants us to be so committed to him that by comparison, you hate everyone and everything else by comparison. He wants you to be so committed to him that you will be willing to choose things that cause you to depend more on him and less on yourself. I can just see it when we make the right choice. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all up there. Look at that. Hinkleman made the right choice. He's trusting us. He's doing that with you guys. And I remember when I first chose to follow Jesus, believe it or not, my family was not happy. In fact, most of them ridiculed me. 
My devoutly Catholic mother couldn't understand why I needed a relationship with God. And the same with some of my friends. My brothers and sisters to this day are not followers of Jesus, although I pray for them often and I hope that they someday will be. Some of my friends had the same bad habits I did before I came to know Jesus and were making the same bad choices I had been before choosing to follow him. And though painful, I eventually had to choose different friends. It didn't mean I stopped loving them. It just meant there was, I couldn't be with them. Since following Jesus, there have been multiple occasions when the Holy Spirit, God who lives in me, has asked me, again, to do things that didn't make sense to the rest of the world. And obediently, even happily, I have done what I felt he was telling me to do. Because I know... I know that being humbled and poorer and being in his will is better than being richer and holding a more prestigious position or relationship in the world. I don't tell you those things to go, oh, Pastor Bob, you're awesome. You've made great choices. I've made plenty of wrong choices too, you guys. But I am telling you that when, when you honor the relationship with him, and that becomes your first priority in how you make decisions, you will find that you have a peace in your life that's beyond explanation. When things don't make sense, you will find that there will be provision that will take place that doesn't make sense. There'll be healing that takes place. God will do things in your life when you make him first. And we don't do it so he'll do those things. That's just a benefit that happens as a result. So I can tell you that I enjoy being in the presence of Jesus more than anyone else in the world, even my Pamela. But she's right up there. I trust Jesus more than anyone else in the world. I love Jesus more than anyone else in the world. And when I have a question of anything of importance, I ask Jesus first what he thinks and wants me to do. And then I endeavor with the power of the Holy Spirit's help to do what he asks. And just a kind of a side note on that, you know, when you're doing that, and and I just really feel like more often than not, maybe in my life, but when the Holy Spirit says something to me, it's usually a challenge. He's usually asking me to do something that's, that's outside of my capabilities, outside of my comfort zone, maybe doesn't make sense to people around me or people in the world. And when that happens, you know, I'll I'll go, okay. And then I'll pray about it some more. And he'll tell me the same thing again (laughs) because he's persistent, you know. And then what I'll do is is I'll call two or three other people who I, I consider to be mentors in my life. And I'll say, if you were me and you're not and you're glad, what would you do? And then I'll explain to them whatever it is the Holy Spirit's, you know, saying to my heart. And sometimes they'll go, yeah, that's, that's what God's telling you to do. You should do that. And sometimes they don't. But it's good to have other mentors in your life. It's good to have relationship with other people that, that you can go to them and say, hey, I feel like this is what God's saying to me. But I will tell you this, that even when others have said, 
I don't think that's the right thing. I've done what I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. And it was the right thing. It was the hard thing. It was usually the hardest thing, but it was the right thing. So I encourage you to to connect with him, to make him your first priority. So what does this mean to you? Who has, a, who has an app on their phone that they put their calendar in? Oh, boy, not very many of you. That surprises me. Wow. You know what you want to get? It's called, it's called the Cozy Organizer, Cozy Family Organizer. It's free. We had, we, even when our kids were home, we had everybody in the family in that calendar, so I knew what everybody was doing. And but anyway, okay, so... so I was just doing a little commercial for Cozy. They don't get paid nothing. I don't get paid nothing. Um, we've been using it for years. Okay, so you don't use that. Okay, so how do you keep track of your appointments? Do you use a calendar? You write it on a calendar physically? Okay, there's a few people that do that. Okay. Um, how else do you do it? How do you keep track of your appointment? Oh, yeah, someone went like this. I was like, man, I want your brain. That's, yeah. Well, When you prioritize your important meetings each day, where is Jesus on that list? Whether you're looking in your phone app calendar or your calendar that's on the wall or the calendar in your head, however you're keeping track of it, your meetings for that day, where is Jesus on that list? What kind of priority does he have? Who's your favorite person to spend time with? If you could just pick, who would you pick? I'm not going to, I love my Pamela, but I would pick Jesus first. I hope she'd be with me actually at the same time, but, but I would pick Jesus first. When you make decisions, who do you consult first? You say, Jesus, what should I do about this? Now, I know there are some common sense things that we do every day, decisions that we make, you know, like don't put your hand under the scalding water, right? But there are plenty of decisions that we make that the Holy Spirit would love to help us with if we just asked him. And have you ever chosen Jesus over a loved one or a friend or or maybe today... Maybe starting today, you need to choose Jesus now over a loved one or a friend. Maybe you need to make that difficult choice. Let's stand up together and we'll pray. What we are going to endeavor to do here at People Church is help you to learn to hear and to recognize Jesus' voice, that you would know the voice of the Holy Spirit, that you would know that you know that you know that's the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to me right now. We want you to know how to do that. We're going to encourage you to make Jesus first, even over ministry opportunities at the People Church. I talked about that earlier and about opportunities that, guys, there's so many opportunities here that are going to become available to serve on a serve team. But we want Jesus to be first. 
We want Jesus to be first over that. We're going to provide opportunities to build healthy relationships. And the way you do that, guys, is time. That means get in a small group. Get connected beyond this meeting on Sunday mornings. Build healthy relationships. And we'll come alongside and we'll encourage you as you grow closer to Jesus each day. And we're going to make this a safe place to find and to follow Jesus. Amen? Father, this morning we just thank you for for the way you are jealous for us. We thank you that, that your desire is to be with us. You made it so clear, so abundantly clear that you sent your son Jesus to die for us so that we could be in your presence. Not just in heaven, but in this life, in these bodies. You desire us to be in your presence every day and you made a way for it to happen. God, I pray, I pray that we would take advantage of the opportunity that you have given us. That we would make you a priority in our day. Holy Spirit, would you draw us, would you call us each day to you and to your presence. Father, I ask that you would bless these beautiful people. Encourage them, strengthen them, be their peace, their joy. Provide for their needs. Keep them healthy. In Jesus' name, amen.